cage around my team. Yeah, we off the leash. You can look us in the eyes and see we have peace. Black and gold, that's the colors when we go to war. When we step up on that field, you go hear my roar. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. Yeah, nobody hitting harder. Better keep your guard up. Welcome to Podge Wee I'm Josh Smith. And I'm Mike Graham. Mike, what did they say in The Godfather? Is it like, I, I think I'm out and they pull me right back in? You know what I mean? Soon, like, Yeah, yeah. as soon as I'm out, they pull me back in or something like that. Yep. Yeah, so I, I mean, I'm going to go on the record here. I'm not a big Godfather fan. I know that's probably going to be a lot of I've actually never seen any of them. Oh, I've you're even anything. worse than I am. Yeah, the first time so. I tried to watch them, I fell asleep. <laughs> and I do, I love, love some mafia movies. Like one of my favorite movies is uh, Goodfellas. But I knew you were going to say Goodfellas. It's just a classic. It's so good. And uh, I mean, that, that movie keeps you entertained the whole time, I think. And uh, yeah, the Godfather movies I've heard are a bit, you know, slower than that. So I can understand yeah. why you didn't, uh, weren't, uh, you know, attached to your tv while watching it yeah not really and it's like they're they're fine but like people t- t- say they're like the best movie. i mean we're a minute into this thing we're already gone completely sideways <laughs> yeah, which is yeah. <laughs> that, that might be a record for you and i but uh the point i was making was we said that the last episode was probably going to be our last one of the year unless something monumental happened and we did say it was not going to be an uneventful offseason for the Tiger Cats. We thought that there was going to be some some big moves, whether it be on the player front or maybe in the front office. But I don't think anyone really expected what we saw this week. I mean, did you kind of figure that we were going to be sitting here in the beginning of December recording other podcasts because they've done a complete reshuffling of the front office and coaching staff? Because I didn't. No, I didn't see it coming. Uh, I thought that they would pretty much stand pat, like maybe – one of the coordinators would change or something like that later on in the off season. But for this shakeup to happen, you know, it's a pretty big shakeup. Uh, I did not expect Orlando to not be the head coach next year. If anything, I, I would have thought he'd give up his president of football operations title and just be a head coach. Cause that's how I see him as a coach and not as like a, a front office type of guy. But um, yeah, I, I was pretty shocked when I saw the news. So, I mean, you've kind of already putting it out there, but let's just say the news in case there's anyone out there who's listening to the show that's been living under a rock the last two days. On Tuesday, the team announced that Orlando Steinhauer would be stepping down as head coach to focus solely on his role as president of football operations and that they would hire a new head coach in the coming days. We'll get to that in a second. They also mentioned that uh, Ed Hervey would be taking over as the team's sole general manager. So no more three-headed assistant general managers with six different guys doing the job. So that later turned, uh, so the head coaching hire later turned out to be the very next day on Wednesday when they announced in what was not really a surprise that Scott Milanovic would be the new head coach, the 27th head coach in franchise history. So we'll pause it right there for a second. And I'm just going to ask you a simple question. 
are you happy with these changes? Like you kind of mentioned that you were surprised that Orlando would give up the coaching role and go into the front office role. I, you have said both on your Patreon show and here that the three headed, nine headed, 15 headed, everyone's an assistant general manager thing rubbed you the wrong way. Now they have a sole general manager and Scott Milanovic is head coach. What do you make? Are you happy with all these changes? Do you like some, do you not like others? What are your general thoughts on this? Uh, I'm, I'm pretty happy with it. Scott Milanovic has a, a proven record. He won a great cup as a head coach with the Toronto Argonauts. And I think he won uh, at least one more, maybe two as an assistant head coach or as an assistant coach, um, a coordinator. It was two. So, he won two with uh, Montreal, the uh, 09 and 10 with Calvillo and Tressman. Yeah. So those, those really good offenses, um, were run by him. So he has a track record of success in this league. Uh, I know it kind of, Tap, t- it uh, didn't go as well at the end of his tenure in with the Toronto Argonauts. I believe they lost, they uh, missed the playoffs in his last season as the head coach. And I've been critical yeah, they, of Yeah, him. they missed it two of his last three there. Yeah, and I've been critical of his offense, thinking that, you know, it's too much like the Mark Tressman style of offense, and that's been played out in this league for so long. But obviously he came in last year as the OC of the Tiger Cats and did a tremendous job rejuvenating this offense it really felt different when he came in and took the reins he incorporated the run game more it was a lot of good stuff from him so as of this point right now I am happy with the decision um going forward and I'm thrilled with Ed Hervey being the GM I think he's he's had success in this league and 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 like like Scott Milanovic you know it kind of near the end of his GM runs kind of wasn't the best but I still believe that he got a bit of a raw deal and um, can be a great GM in this league once again. And uh, so as of this point right now, I am happy with both of those hires. I'm with you. What you said earlier about being a little surprised that Steinhauer gave up the coaching role. Cause he's only 50. I remember when Ken Austin was here and the thought was he was grooming Steinhauer to take over for him or maybe even Tommy Condell to take over from him. And everyone was like, oh, well, he'll he'll give up the coaching role and just go into the front office. And it's like, the guy's like 52 years old. Like, why would he do that? And then Steinauer does it. I'm, I'm still very surprised. And then in his uh, in his press conference talking about take, taking on solely the president role, he mentioned that he wouldn't say that he would never coach again. And I do think that he'll end up coaching again. I don't know if it'll be with the Ticats, but I do think he's going to coach again. He's going to get that itch because I do think he's a very good head coach. So it's a little surprising there. However, I imagine the president of football operations probably pays more than the head coaching role. So sticking with that one kind of makes sense. I think I'm with you on Ed Hervey as well. I think he got a raw deal in Edmonton. I think a lot of people gave Chris Jones a lot of the credit for the success there and not as much on Ed Hervey. And we've seen what Chris Jones has done in Edmonton without Hervey there to help him. And the results have not been good. So I think I know that there's like, there's some people out there who will there's the whole like he signed Odell will or announced the signing of Odell Willis like a minute after free agency opened one year and their inkiness if you remember with like Michael Riley's contract where apparently he signed like a secret second deal that guaranteed him a certain amount of money but it was never registered so then Riley like filed a grievance against the team but by then Hervey it was a very weird situation and I know that Hervey has that in him but he helped build Edmonton Edmonton, he, the, for his first year in Edmonton, they went 4-14. Two years later, they're 14-4 and win the Grey Cup. And 
that is, I mean, this team doesn't have a championship in that amount of time. They, and they've been, you know, four and 14 bad. I mean, it, it was years ago now, but they've been in that ship. So getting a guy, having one sole voice, if that's where it's going to be, I, I really like. I'm glad that you fessed up to, because I was, I was going to call you out on it when you were like, I like the Milanovic. I was like, yeah, but you said that, that <clears throat> pardon me. But you said that you like, you didn't think that you thought the offense was played out. But I do wonder a little bit if maybe it's kind of a what's old is new again. The the league went away from what that Tressman Milanovic offense did. So then defenses changed what they're doing. So now with it coming back into Vogue, I think a lot of it, I think about it in the same way that I think about like the San Francisco 49ers and what Kyle Shanahan does, where yes, he uses all the motion and all the fun stuff, but he really plays, uh, it's a zone-based power running attack. And that's not, right now in the NFL, it's spread them out and throw the ball around. And then you see what the Niners are doing and it's been copied, you know, the Rams do it, the the Dolphins do it. The Dolphins don't run the power as much as the Niners do, but it's like, you see, and it's like, oh, it can work again. It's like, because these things are kind of cyclical. You know what I mean? Like, you go, you you, you spread, because like, football leagues forever were like, well, you you know, you line up with a fullback and a, and a running back, and you run the ball up the middle, and you hope to get five yards, and you do it again. And then it, it evolves and evolves and evolves, and then sometimes it bounces back. And I, I just wonder if maybe Milanovic's offense worked as well as it did because it's kind of not the en vogue offense anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah, that, that could be the case because I don't know what each offensive coordinator is running. I don't have their playbooks, so I don't know how similar these offenses are. But, yeah, I mean, just for him coming in and, um, like I said earlier, really rejuvenating that Ticat offense, um, you know, changed my mind on him. Like, if he would have came in and they would have stunk again, obviously I wouldn't be too happy with him being the head coach. But uh, he just seems like the right pick right now. He, you know, he said all the right things in the press conference and all like that. And, and you know, I do you want to run before. through a wall for him, Mike? Mm, yeah, I guess. <laughs> I guess. Um, I heard that a lot about Corey Mace's. Uh, uh, that's, uh, that's, what you're getting at. that's what I'm getting at. We got. OK, run that's with, what I thought. Yeah. Wall for a coach. Yeah. All right. Easy yeah, sure, 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 sure. Um, but he did say all the right things, right? Like he, he kind of. um mentioned that his his family is Pittsburgh yep. Steelers fans and there's you know the steel town you know the hard work in the blue collar yeah, he really yeah. he really I won't say laid it on thick but really gave you an idea that he's kind of suited for this and to be honest with you as much as I knew about him I didn't I knew he was I knew he was a Pennsylvania guy I knew he was a small town Pennsylvania guy mm-hmm. I didn't know all that other stuff so hearing it it's kind of like oh he does kind of fit with this city. So maybe this will be a good fit, at least personality wise. Yeah. And you might look at that as pandering to the, to the fan base, but I, I don't see it that way. I, I believe that he's a, he seems to me like a very sincere person, like no bullshit very type of guy. Yeah. yeah very and, he, and it feels like he will be hard on the players when he has to be, but he also won't be like that the whole time. Right. To the point where players might turn on him. So he has both sides of the coin, which I really like as well. Uh, I can say from watching him as the offensive coordinator this year, he is very no nonsense. It was very much do this, get it done, move on to the next thing, which I think this team, you need a balance. I think I, I, and again, whatever coaching style you have, whether it's player friendly, like I think Orlando was very player friendly, or if you're like kind of a taskmaster that like Ken Austin was, it doesn't really matter as long as you win. 
And I think that was the, my takeaway from kind of Milanovic's introductory press conference. It's like, he basically said, fail, I, I, this might be a direct quote, like failure is not an option. I'm here to win a championship. I'm here to win rings. And it's like, yeah, you, we hear that from every single coach, but his, it feels not, I don't ever, I don't want to say that Armando Steinhauer would lie to the media. Cause I don't think that was it, but I think he was, he was like purposefully obtuse in how he would deal with questions and, and things like that, where it feels like Milan, like someone asked him like, Hey, do you think, I think it was Rick Zamper and was like, Hey, do you think the is the championship window for this team still open? And his answer was simply just, yes. Like it wasn't, it wasn't like, well, you know, every year you blah, blah, blah. It was just like, absolutely. Yes. And like next question, essentially. So it was like, it's, it's a very forthright type of personality that I think he brings out and coupling that with someone who can be an offensive innovator. Like I, yes, he has his scheme, but I also think that he's smart enough to tailor that scheme to the players because that offense in Toronto, when he was there was like, cause he comes from Montreal with, with Anthony Calvillo pocket passer tailors that offense brings in Ricky Ray. But then when Ray gets hurt, Zach Caleros played a lot, a young Zach Caleros, a much more athletic kind of scrambling Zach Caleros. And it worked then too. Like you got to remember in 2013, when the Argos finished 11 and seven and first in the East, the Ticats eventually beat them in the East final, but the Argos were the best team in the league that year. Caleros started like seven games because Ray was injured. So it's not as if he can't adapt his offense to the players around him. Yes. He's had success with kind of the more statuesque, typical drop back quarterbacks, but he's also had success with kind of the more mobile guys as well. So I th- what I'm most interested in and kind of most excited about is that him coming in, whatever that means for the quarterback position, whether it's Bo Levi Mitchell staying or they go with Taylor Powell or they go out and grab a Drew Brown or bring Dane Evans back, which I don't think is going to happen, but or go get McLeod Bethel Thompson. Like I think Milanovic will get the best out of whomever the starter is. And I'm not sure if we could say that with with Steinhauer's crew because he was a more defensive-minded coach. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Does it concern you at all that his overall record as, as a head coach is 43 and 47? You know what's funny is I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about that as I was watching the press conference. Because, you know, you go on Twitter and all Ticat fans were happy, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Every, well, I mean— I, there were Ticat fans that wanted change that then bitched about the change, yeah, which yeah, yeah. I thought was mm-hmm. funny, but that's neither here nor there. But most people were like, oh, they wanted change. Like people were calling for Steinhauer to lose his job during the season. And now they did. They got a guy in and then they bitched about that. He actually touched on and without actually saying it, and maybe this is deflecting blame a little bit, but kind of touched on the problems in Toronto where he was talking about like the state of the art facilities in Hamilton and how that's how having those things helps you retain players or helps you bring new players in. And while he didn't come out and say it, he talked about the disadvantages of coaching in Toronto when your practice facility is not that great, when you're not that close to like where the team's supposed to be and the same sort of thing in Montreal. So, I mean, yeah, there's always a concern when the coaching record is sub 500, but I don't necessarily know if, because of the disadvantages he had. See, I remember he coached the Argos from 2012 to 2016. The disadvantages that they had at that time with the Argos, with ownership turnover and David Braley not wanting to spend money on the team versus what he has in Hamilton, where 
you can say a lot of things about the tie cats. The one thing is, is that they spare no expense to steal a line from Jurassic park. Like they will spend the money. They will give you what you need to compete. So maybe we'll get a better idea of how good of a head coach he is here when he has all those advantages, or I guess I should say better doesn't have those disadvantages, you know? Yeah, that's a, that's a good point because <clears throat> to win a championship in Toronto at, at that time is pretty damn impressive. I mean, second in the East division in his first year and then first in the East division in his second year. So, um, and don't forget, and don't forget they won in 2017, the year after they fired him true. with essentially the same group. They just had Mark Tressman as head coach, which was essentially the same offense. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, he doesn't get credit for that 2017 championship, but the roster was a lot of his handpicked guys. Yeah, absolutely true. And um, yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to judge him on that record. I'm going to judge him from what he does uh, from the start of next season with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. And you're right. You know, like he mentioned, you know, the facility is great there. Um, Everything he needs will be there for him to succeed. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how much better he does uh, with a franchise like that. When he has advantages that he didn't have in Toronto, yeah. quite frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so he was – we're going to stick with Milanovic here because his 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 press conference was actually one of the more interesting ones because he was willing to talk about a bunch of stuff. He was noncommittal, though, on the future of Bo Levi Mitchell with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. While that morning – if I don't know if you saw this, but Bo was on CHCH Morning Live here in Hamilton – talking about his Mitchell miracle thing where he gives presents to, I believe it's Mac kids, which is like really, and he still, he still lives in the city, which is interesting Mm -hmm. given that uh, the kind of the tension that happened at the end of the season, but he's still doing his charity stuff here, which I think is awesome. Um, But they asked him if he wanted to be back and he said, I want to be here like point blank. I'm not trying to go anywhere else. I want to be here. What do you think? Do you think Milanovic, because then Milanovic was asked about it and I think he said, like, we'll make a decision about that in the future. Whatever decision we make is going to be the right one. But was also kind of gave Bo a bit of a pass, said, like, I didn't get a chance to work with him a bunch because of the injuries. So it's unfair to judge him because he didn't get a chance to, like, kind of grasp all the things that I wanted to do in the offense. Do you think that Bo is now more likely to return to the team or do you think it's less likely that he's going to be back now that Milanovic is head coach or is it just, or is it the same? I think it's more likely. Um, I think Scott's going to want to work with Bo Levi Mitchell, even though what he said publicly didn't really represent that opinion. Um, But I just think that Scott's going to, I mean, Bo Levi Mitchell, he's up there, but he's not that old. I mean, there's been successful quarterbacks in this league that have played into their 40s. So with Bo being 34, I believe, this year, 33 or 34, whatever it is. Um, he turns to, he'll be 34, I think, before the start of next season. Yeah, and so you can still soak some good years out of him if he's healthy, if he's not, you know, like hiding injuries and stuff like that. I think Scott and him would work together pretty well if he can stay healthy the whole season. Now, um, I also think that, he would work well with a guy like Taylor Powell. So ultimately, I think Bo Levi Mitchell is going to be the starting quarterback because I believe the franchise and Scott Milanovic will think that he gives them the best chance to win a championship. Because like like he said, the championship window is not closed. He's going full bore. He wants to win now. So I think their best option, even though Bo Levi Mitchell has played like shite the last couple of years, 
I think Scott's going to believe that he can turn around his career, much like Tressman turned around Anthony Calvillo's career when he came to Montreal. I was just going to mention, I was like, you know who Milanovic had a hand in turning around a career? Calvillo, because Calvillo was dog shit in 07. Now, a lot of that was due, it was some mental stuff, because I think he was dealing with, I think his wife had cancer or something. Yes, I and, believe so. And, and his, so his play tailed off and he left the team for a bit, but he was, if you go back and look at his numbers in, in 2007, they were not good. The Alouettes were not a good team. Tressman comes in with Milanovic. They're, they're three years, three straight years in the gray cup, win two titles. And yeah, Tressman gets a lot of that credit and he should. Milanovic needs to get a little bit of it too. I think, I think I, even though I said earlier, like he's done good work with young quarterbacks and he has like, Milanovic has had a hand in Caleros' development, Trevor Harris's development, Cody Fajardo's development. Like a third of the starting quarterbacks in the CFL entering next season will be guys that Mark Tre- or uh, that uh, Scott. I'm talking about Mark Tressman. That Scott Milanovic brought into this league. He brought Caleros in. He brought Harrison. I mean, it was Ricky Ray, Trevor Harrison, Zach Caleros as the quarterback room in 2012 when the Argos won the Grey Cup. But in 2013. When Ray was about to be a free agent and Caleros was about to be a free agent, the Argos had a decision to make and they chose the veteran. And I think they chose the veteran because I think that Milanovic likes working with established quarterbacks a little more than he does with younger guys. You know what I mean? Like he mentioned in the press conference that you can't turn the ball over. Now that has been a problem of Bose the last few years, especially last season. He had a five interception game. He threw 10 picks in six games. That will be an issue, but I think Milanovic prefers to work with an older quarterback and he has shown in the past. I mean, Ricky Ray was traded to the art. Now, Ricky Ray wasn't busted in Edmonton, but he wasn't he was on the, the downward Ricky- spiral too. Yes, he, wasn't, he was you know, like the teams weren't great. He wasn't playing great and he came to Toronto and uh, they had some pretty good years. So, and was a, I think a three time division all-star, um, he was he was nominated for MOP I think twice when he was with the Argos maybe three times when he was with the Argos. He he his career was a little bit rejuvenated and the reason he was I mean everyone makes the jokes about like well I think it was Eric Tillman that traded him from Edmonton it's like oh Tillman always trades his franchise quarterback yada 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 but you only do that because you want to get out from under the big money that you paid him and Ray was making a lot of money at that time. And you want to get out from it because you don't think he's any good anymore. You don't think he can win. And then, of course, the injuries piled up, and that's what—that's football, especially with older players. But Milanovic has shown that he has had success with older guys. So I do think that it's—I think at worst, the chances of him returning are 50-50. I think at best, it might be like 80-20 that this team's going to bring Bo Levamich back. Whether they ask him to take a pay cut or restructure his contract, that's another decision, another question for another day. But I do think there's a good chance that number 19 will be in black and gold this year. And that's not something I would have thought after his comments following the East semifinal. So the coaching staff, though, is interesting. No, like we thought that there would be change. We Well, we hoped. I mean, I know we've been harsh on Mark Washington. Um, but it certainly sounds as if Milanovic is going to have full say on who his coaching staff is going to be. Uh, he rather emphatically, I think, said, like, it's his call. Do you think this there's going to be some coaching turnover? Is he going to clean house, do you think? Um, if so, are there any names of guys out there that you would like to see him bring or think he might bring in? Or do you think he could possibly try to run this back with Washington and Reinbold as is? Because I, I think he's going to be – I know he said he, it's it's still up for debate. 
I don't think there's any debate. I think he's going to be the offensive coordinator. Like maybe he brings in a quarterbacks coach. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like in Toronto, he had Marcus Brady as his offensive coordinator, but Milanovic was still the guy designing and calling those plays. So I don't, I don't think there's really a discussion to be had about an OC role, except in something of more of a like in name only type thing. What about the other two? Do you think it's, it's time to to clean house or do you think that maybe they run this back one more year? I'd like to see Reinbold back. I, I I think he's just a very good special teams coordinator. Wherever you put him, he's going to do a pretty damn good job. Mark Washington, um, if we can get someone that is an upgrade, then uh, I would be all for it. Uh, I don't know of any names. I'd know that Ed Hervey and Devontae Claybrooks were you know, yep. pair at one time, right? So that would be interesting if, uh, if they I could bring do Claybrooks wonder, back. I know, I know that that sounds like... Oh man, Devon Claybrook's coming in. Like that'd be great. He hasn't been in the CFL since he got fired in BC. Yeah, which is odd. It's very odd. Very strange. You know, he gets that head coaching opportunity and then nothing else afterwards. And, and you know, and I think he got a raw deal with that head coaching. Absolutely he only had did. one year and then he got canned. Um, so maybe he he doesn't want to be a coordinator. Maybe he feels as though he's a head coach now. But, um, you know, the guy can still run a defense, I'm pretty sure. So it would be – and he was one of the best. When, yep. In his time as a D.C., he was he like the Calgary. best. Yep. Yeah. Um, so to bring him back I think would be would be great. But, uh, yeah, I don't know his situation. I don't know what he's doing. Um, I so want to say he's it, coaching like high school football. That's what I was thinking somewhere. too. I think at one point we talked about him and we looked it up. And I think yeah. you're right. He, he was uh, in the state somewhere coaching high school football. But you know, if they could lure him up here, I would I would like to see him uh, don the black and gold for sure. So when Milanovic was in the running for the Riders' job, there was a lot of talk that he would have Jason Shivers be his defensive coordinator. So maybe that's something that he would do here as well. Shivers, I believe, played for Milanovic mm-hmm. in Toronto, so there's some familiarity there. I looked at some of the coaching staffs that he had when he was head coach more than when he was a coordinator. Kind of looked at what he had when, because he people might forget, but he was briefly the head coach of the Edmonton Elks in 2020. He was going to be their head coach in 2020, and then the season was canceled. And then he he quit to go. I think he went ended up coaching in Indianapolis. And one of the reasons he did that is because Marcus Brady was there as the offensive coordinator. So I don't believe Brady is currently with an NFL team. So perhaps he's a a, a OC like he did before. But then again, he's got NFL aspirations, so maybe that's kind of out the window now. Um, on the defensive side, though. You mentioned Devon Claybrooks. He has history with Ed Hervey. I'm, I I couldn't. I looked it up. I didn't see any history with Scott Milanovic. Um, Jordan Younger is an interesting guy. He was a DB coach with the Toronto Argonauts. I think he's in the same position with the Blue Bombers right now. But I think he's a guy that could potentially be a target as a defensive coordinator. Because I think there was talk of if Buck Pierce got the Riders job, that Younger could be either elevated or not uh, not elevated, uh, brought over to the riders with him as his defensive coordinator. So that might be something interesting to kind of look at special team sport. Though, I got, I got a name for you that maybe at first you might go, Oh, but what about Craig Dickinson? Like, yeah, his head coaching tenure wasn't great, but he was a pretty darn good special teams coordinator before yeah. that. Yeah. He's not a guy. He wasn't fired in Saskatchewan. His contract was up and it wasn't renewed. Like he was fired, but he doesn't have a job for 2024. If they part with Reinbold, what about Craig Dickinson? I wouldn't I wouldn't mind that. I mean, he was a great special teams coordinator. That's 
one of the reasons why he got the opportunity to be a head coach in this league. Um, I don't believe he's a good head coach, obviously. I think we can agree on that. Um, I yep. think he's a bit too, ah, uh, shucks, gee, willy, you know, um, uh, nice guy. Uh, there's nothing wrong with being a nice guy, by the way. But I'm just saying, like, he, maybe he fits the role of coordinator better. And, you know, bringing him, him in, a super nice guy, to be the yin to the yang of, you know, Scott Milanovic's more serious um, would might be a good thing. So I don't hate, I don't hate that name. The other one that came up with, I was looking and I would be surprised if he doesn't have some, this is the guy that I could see being the quarterback's coach and then like slash the offensive coordinator is Jamie Elizondo. I know it's like, haha, Jamie, was like Jamie, I don't think Jamie Elizondo was a terrible head coach in Edmonton. I don't think he's a very good offensive coordinator, but he's someone that Milanovic trusts. So I could see him coming in on board. You know what I mean? And that's about it as I could come up with, because there wasn't a ton of staff turnover in Toronto. I mean, some of the staff he hit. So if you go look at that 2012 staff, holy, no wonder they won the Grey Cup. It was Milanovic's head coach. Chris Jones was a defensive coordinator. And Orlando Steinhauer was the DB coach. And Mike O'Shea was the special teams coordinator. Like, of course they won a great yeah. cup. That's a incredible coaching staff. Unfortunately, he can't piece that back together because two of those guys are head coaches somewhere else. And the other guy is his boss running this team. So pretty remarkable coaching staff he was able to put together there. But just some of these names, these are some of the names that I'm I'm hearing. And the good thing is, is that I don't think we're going to wait long to hear who these guys are going to be. Um, I don't think we'll have a chance to do a podcast because it's probably going to happen after I leave to go away. But he did say that this would be this would be the next order of business. So I don't know. Hopefully we'll get something soon. If you had to pick a name, I know this is we're just playing fantasy here. You can pick whomever you want. Would you go Devon Claybrooks and, and Jeff Reinbold? Would you go, you know, Shivers yeah. and Dickinson? Who who what would be your ideal staff for for the Tie Cats? I'm gonna go and Reinbold. Would you bring and hold on? And would you bring in an offensive coordinator? Okay. So I would stick with Reinbold. Like I said earlier, I think he just he just does a good job year in year out. Special teams coordinator is meant for him. Uh, I would if you know, in my dreams, I would bring in Clay Brooks because I think he can run a, a dominant defense once again in this league. I would make uh, I would keep Scott calling the plays as the OC and uh, as the head coach, obviously. So that's what I would do. Uh, I don't necessarily think it's uh you know i don't think it's necessary to bring in an oc when you have a guy like scott milanovich as your head coach i think he can run a great offense and uh i don't think it'd be too much for him to have those two roles splashing cold water on the idea of june jones coming back then yeah i just don't see that happening i their offenses don't mesh they don't mesh and i just don't see scott bringing him in you know what i mean June Jones runs the run and shoot. Scott Milanovic's offense is is totally different, and I just think they would kind of not mesh well together. I don't, for no reason in particular. I just don't think it would work out very well. I think the personalities would clash too, quite frankly. Yeah. Um, yeah. June Jones calls a hell of an offense. Not going to lie. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, if Orlando Steinhauer was sticking around as head coach and needed an offensive coordinator because Scott Milanovic went somewhere else wouldn't have been upset if you, I mean, we talked about this on the last episode would not have been upset if June Jones came in with Milanovic taken over. I just don't see a role for him. I know people are still out there wishing and hoping, but I, I don't see, I don't see it happening. Unfortunately I'm with you. I mean, I know he's been out of the league now almost five years, but Devon Claybrook coming back and 
and running a defense, like I'd be curious to see what he's learned over the last few years. Um, outside of that, I like I would I'm not going to be shocked if it's Jason Shivers. Like there was a reason he was linked to Milanovic in Saskatchewan to begin with, so that would make sense to me. I think I'd prefer a new voice at Spe- I know Ryan Bull's been good this year. He had Charlie Taggart, who was his assistant there, who did a lot of the work day to day there on the field during practice. So if you can retain him, I think you'd be okay. I mean, Ryan Bull came back because Craig Butler stepped away. So like Ryan Bull probably wouldn't have been here if, if Butler didn't have family issues to deal with. Sure. I don't know. Maybe, maybe get someone new. I mean, I mean, could you imagine a coaching staff that you, that has Scott Milanovic calling the offense, Devon Claybrook calling the defense and Craig Dickinson, Calling the special teams like there's three head there's three former head coaches there and I know Dickinson's mm-hmm. tenure in Saskatchewan ended poorly and Claybrook's obviously flamed out in BC but I don't think he ever really got a chance. It's pretty good football minds there adding into Ed Hervey and Orlando Steinhauer like that's a pretty good power structure as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I would not complain with that staff uh, one bit. So I would be for it absolutely. I think that all of that knowledge brought together would be a tremendous asset for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. So what happened on Tuesday and Wednesday, certainly franchise-altering type moves, but they weren't the only big move from the Ticats this week as they announced on Monday that they had signed Canadian safety Stavros Katzentonis to a two-year contract extension. Financial details have not yet been disclosed, but you have to believe that he received a substantial raise as he was coming off his rookie contract and had a breakout season in 2023. I think he had 56 tackles. He had a team leading five interceptions, and he was named the Ticats' most outstanding Canadian. What do you make of the signing, Mike? Do you like it? Do you dislike it? Just what are your general thoughts on the team bringing back Cats and Tonus on a two-year deal? I love it. Uh, this guy is an up-and-comer. He's going to be one of the best safeties in the league, you know, if he's not there already. Uh, obviously, a huge breakout season for him. He, he played all 18 regular season games. Uh, like you mentioned, he registered, uh, registered 56 tackles, including 54 defensive tackles, one tackle for a loss, two quarterback sacks, two forced fumbles, one fumble recovery, five interceptions, five pass knockdowns, and one defensive touchdown. And oh, yeah, the touchdown. Yes. Uh, the, what's and going he's Canadian. So, I mean, he 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 has the national status. Um, I think he's from California, right? But yep. he's from Bakersfield. Um, yeah. I, quick side note. When you hear the term, when you hear the city Bakersfield, what, what pops in your head first? Nothing, really. Nothing? You don't think of no. corn? Remember the band Corn? Oh, are they from uh, Bakersfield? They're from Bakersfield. I had a friend okay. in high school who was a big corn fan. Like I was friends with him dating back to when we went to elementary school together. And he was just huge into corn. And th- I think they had a song called Bakersfield or they mentioned Bakersfield in the song. So every time I hear Bakersfield, and I usually only hear it in conjunction with Stavros Katzentonis these days, it's the first thing I think of is corn. And I've said this to other people and they're just like, what a weird, random thing to remember. Like, it's not a big, I didn't listen to corn. Like, I wasn't into that sort of like new metal type new stuff. Metal, like, yeah, yeah I, you know, I, I won't lie. I, I like a little bit of Limp Biscuit, and I, I got into like System of a Down when they were super popular in the early 2000s there. But like, that wasn't my brand of music. And that, but for some reason, that, that fact just rattles around in my brain. So every time someone brings up Stavros Katzentonis being from Bakersfield, California, <laughs> I just think of corn. 
<laughs> that should be like he should come out to a corn song or something like that. Yeah, um, and that, there's a thing you couldn't name you were, if you would have known you would have named a corn song, but he, it's like you. I can't Jesus. name one here. I don't know why. All, all, all day I dream about sex. All day about I dream that? about there sex. You're you right, but yeah, I don't think that'd be appropriate to come out to a Tim Hortons field. No, 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 probably not. Um, but yeah, he's 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 gonna be the guy, right? He's gonna be the best secondary guy in the league that's a Canadian and maybe, you know, not a Canadian. The guy has a nose for the football. He's aggressive out there. He, he's fast. He's still in his prime. So to bring this guy back, you just had to. You had to throw the money. I'm sure he got a nice contract because he would have got, you know, highly paid if he went to the free agent market. So I'm sure the Ticats paid him handsomely. I'm, I'm of the, like, I'm, my working thesis is he got 150 at minimum, but probably more than that. Like if you look at, I mean, three down had the article beginning of last season about the highest paid defensive backs and Tunde Adelike was the top paid. And I think his base salary is like 156, but he could have made up to like 187 or something like that. If you hit all his playtime incentives, I don't think he did because he got hurt this year. But I bring him up as well because this kind of muddies the future of him with the team. Like, he was great for this team in 2019, 2021, 2022, but he dealt with injuries this year. Katzentonis came in, took his job, never relinquished it. They tried Adela Kay at field halfback. It didn't really work. He then got hurt again, missed, I think, the last six regular season games and didn't play in the playoffs. What do you think? Is Does this to you sound the end of Adela Kay's time in Hamilton, or do you think the Ticats could bring him back and then maybe play him at a different position? I think this, unfortunately, is the end um, for him with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Maybe if he played better when he got the opportunity to play that halfback position, they he would bring him good. back. He wasn't good. Yeah. I mean, and why wouldn't you bring him back? If he played good at that position, two stellar Canadians <laughs> – in the secondary, I mean, why wouldn't you bring him back? So I, I just think that he's he's going to be moving on to another team. He's going to he's going to play great for another team at that safety position. But I, I don't see him being back with the Tiger Cats. And that team will be probably the Argonauts or uh, no Ottawa. Ottawa. There you go. I yeah, need the Red Blacks. Yeah, of course it's going to be the Red Blacks. Yeah, of course. Red, they of don't course have a Canadian safety. They had Antoine Pruneau all those years. He retired before last season. I need, I know they have Adam O'Claire, but he's more suited for a Sam linebacker role. He played his college ball at Carleton, which is in Ottawa. And he's an ex-Tie Cat who was exactly. signed in Hamilton by Sean Burke, who's still the general manager, who just brought in Tommy Condell. We never talked about that. Which should we, Maybe we'll talk about that before we get out of here, just briefly, the Tommy Condell signing in Ottawa as their offensive coordinator. But, of course, he's going to sign with the Red Blacks. And I know that there's some people out there and I agree with the sentiment that Hamilton had a really tough time starting seven Canadians last year. Their their depth, at, they, they were starting Canadian receivers who were just not good enough. Like, Keandre Smith is good enough to start on this team. Chris Osikusi, as much as I like him, was not. Richie Sindani was not. Tyler Ternowski was not. Like, this team cannot go into next year with two Canadian receivers being what, unless they go out and get um, they trade for Curly Gittins, who even himself, he didn't have a great year last year. He was hurt for most of it. But unless they go out and trade for a star Canadian receiver, and let's be honest with you, is there really one out there? Like, look across the landscape. Is there that stud Canadian on any of the teams? 
hmm. that you would be like, I mean, I guess you go get Drew Olatarski, but the Bombers aren't trading. I wouldn't say he's a stud, but he's a he's a legitimate option at receiver. You know what I yeah. mean? But Dembski, not, but he's not going to be Dembski's leaving not Winnipeg. Leaving Winnipeg. Yeah. Julian Grant's not leaving Montreal. Tyson Philpott's not leaving Montreal. Like, there's no, mm-hmm. there's no obvious solution there. So the, I think the Ticats got to try to run with four American receivers and one Canadian. And then you look at the rest of the roster and you go, okay, well, you know, they're going to start three Canadians on the offensive line. Okay. Now you're at four. Then you got Katz and Tonus. He's a, he's a penciled in starter. They're probably going to start one on the defensive line. Well, now you're kind of like pressing for where do they start that seventh Canadian. And if a delicate could play field halfback. Yeah. Give him 175,000 to come back. If he could play Sam linebacker, give him 160,000 to come back. You know what I mean? But I just don't think he's suited for those roles. I think we saw it field half that he can't play it. And I don't think he'd be any better if you pushed him down to Sam. And I know there's a lot of Ticat fans. They did this with Craig Butler too. Remember when Eric Harris left and they were like, we need a Sam linebacker. Oh, just throw Craig Butler down there and put Mike Daly at safety. Maybe it wasn't Eric Harris. Maybe it was someone else, but I, I think it was Eric Harris. But they're like, oh, this is what we'll do. And it's like, yeah, but Craig Butler's not a coverage like you still have to cover as a Sam linebacker. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it helps that you can hit and, and, and stop the run, but the, it's a coverage linebacker spot. Like hate Chris Edwards all you want, but Chris Edwards was a converted defensive back. Rico Murray converted defensive back Cameron Kelly converted defensive back. So it's like, you need to be a guy that can, that can cover to play Sam, not just a guy that can hit. And I just don't think a delicate has the coverage skills. So it just feels as if when, when they made this draft pick in 2020, it felt like they were very similar to the Dane Mazzoli thing. Like at some point you're going to have to make a decision. And I think that they made that decision on Monday when they signed Katz and Tonus. I think Adela K's days with the team are unfortunately numbered because I do think that there's a team out there that's going to give him 170,000 to be their starting safety. That team is going to be the Ottawa Red Blacks because of course it is. And I can't blame him for, for playing his more natural position, which will give him a chance to, prove that he earns that contract you know what i mean versus playing field half or sam linebacker where he's just not suited yeah absolutely it's like and this is the right decision by the tight cats cast and tonus is the delicate but he's younger and you know he might be even better than him uh once he you know plays into his his uh, uh he potential he right he proved he could play yeah last absolutely year. There was Absolutely. the potential was always there. Like he played in spurts. Like remember, I think it was against the Argos. It might've been the 2021 East final. Like he made a play in that game. Like he had an interception. It was definitely against the Argos and it was definitely at BMO, but he had an interception. It was called back, but it was a hell of a play. And he was a playmaker at UBC, like JC from three down. Like I, he, I remember when the Ticats picked him in the draft and they did their live, their live draft uh, stream on YouTube. And it was like, he was now he, he's a UBC guy. He knows cats and Tona. So it was like, there's a there's a personal relationship there, but he was like effusive in his praise. Like the Ty Cat stole this guy in the draft. And then it's so it's like, oh, okay, if a guy who really knows the draft is into it, I'm gonna pay attention to this kid. And he played great on special teams. And when he got in on defense, he played excellent. And then he had a real chance to show it this year. And yeah, he's got flaws in his game, as does every every player. But for the most part, I was incredibly impressed with what he did. And kind of lived into that potential. Now he's still got more room to grow, don't get me wrong, but kind of lived up to that potential this year where he was the ball hawking free safety that picked off five passes that scored a touchdown that has a nose for the football. And that's something that this team has had a, tr- had a hard time doing like outside of Richard Leonard, this team didn't have a lot of interceptions last year. So having, and I'm and Katzen Tonus as well, but having a guy back there who can hit cause he's, he's a violent hitter, 
but can also make those plays on the football. I think that's that's indispensable. Like he's a better ball handler is not the right term because we're not talking about basketball, but you know, like not to overuse the term ball hawk, but he's more of a ball hawk than a delicate is. A delicate was fast and kind of a hitter, whereas Katzentonis is he's a hitter, he's not quite as quick, but he's got a nose for the football. It seems like he has it all, right? Yep. I mean, he reminds me of uh, Hitchcock a bit, the way that he hits. Um, throws his body around, you know, in the middle of the field. Now, obviously, he can't do some of the hits that that Hitchcock could. No, go watch it. Go watch a Rob Hitchcock highlight reel, and you'd be like, "That's a flag. That's a flag. Yeah, that's yeah, a flag. Yeah, that's a flag." Exactly. But he does make his presence felt with his physicality on the field. So that's one of the reasons why he kind of reminds me of Hitchcock. Yeah, but I think he's I think he's much better at getting Overall, the football than than, than yeah. Hitchcock was. Like, don't get yes. me wrong, like. Hey, we, we've been stumping Hitchcock now trade. for how many years? Hitchcock should be in the Hall of Fame. We're not talking yep. down about Rob Chichester. They're they're similar players, but they still have their differences, of course. Absolutely. Yeah. What do you what do you think? Do you think this has any is has this given you any indication, I guess I should say, on what Hamilton's roster composition might be? Because they are like Adelike is a little bit or um Katzenton is a little bit younger. There's some thought that maybe I know Milanovic said the championship window is not closed and that's their goal this year. And we'll see with what they do with the rest of the offseason with their roster composition. But do you think this gives you an idea that maybe the Ticats will go a little bit younger in 2023? Or is this just they just they had to make a decision on these two players. They took the one that's slightly younger that has slightly more upside. Yeah, I, I don't think it shows anything necessarily. Uh, I just think that they had a star player that they had to lock down. I mean, you cannot let this guy go, especially with the weak secondary that we had last year. I know that there's some up-and-coming guys that could be really good players in the future, but we all know that the secondary was a bit of um, you know a problem for them this year. I just think that they had to sign him, and, and that's the reason I don't think it says... I mean, I'd like them to get a little bit younger. I think that that would help out the team, but uh, I don't necessarily think it's a, it's a sign. All right, let's very briefly touch on the Tommy Condell thing, and then we'll get out of here, and we'll let everyone go on with the rest of their year with probably not another podcast, but who knows? Maybe they announce their coaching staff on Monday, and me and Mike are back here on Tuesday talking again. But the Ottawa Red Blacks made Tommy Condell their offensive coordinator. Look, I was... I won't say I was team Tommy, but I didn't lay all the blame for Hamilton's offensive woes on him. I was wrong in some respects because Scott Milanovic came in and the offense did get better. But I do think that there was some scapegoating by the fan base with Tommy Condell. That said, how I I, I get the jokes, the, oh, it's an ex-Ticat going Ottawa. I get all that. But honestly, how can what, based on what he put on tape, offensively speaking, with what was supposed to be some pretty talented rosters. Like, I mean, he had yeah. Tim White, who, when he left, then exploded and led the league in receiving. He had James Butler this year, who, once he left, went on a tear. So it's not as if Condell was hamstrung with no talent here. Mm-mm. Doesn't have a ton of talent in Ottawa, quite frankly. But how could the Red Blacks look at what he achieved or didn't achieve with the Ticats the last couple of years and go, yeah, I want me some of that. It's it's a baffling decision, is it not? It's a head scratcher. There's no doubt about it. And I'll add to the the you know, the uh, toys that he had at his disposal last year. He had a pretty damn good offensive line as well to add to Tim White and, and James Butler and all those guys. So 
uh, I don't know, man. Like, obviously, the joke is that Sean Burke just keeps hiring former Ticats. And, and it, you know, it's true. It's true. I just don't see this being a success story. And Tommy Condell, I'm with you. Like, I didn't think it was all his fault, obviously. And I think that he has had success in the past. But, man, you got you to gotta question the hiring, some of the hirings that uh, Sean Burke has made with the Ottawa Red Blacks. You know, who are they going to go with quarterback there? Like, I, I don't know. Who's Tommy Condell going to be working with? So, I don't see it working out for them with uh, with Tommy running the offense, to be honest. I wish I could remember where I saw it or who said it, but I saw it on Twitter. Someone was like, it was a Red Blacks fan. He's like, we keep bringing in players and guys from the one franchise that hasn't won a championship <laughs> yeah. this millennium. Like, what yeah. are we doing? And like, yeah, that kind of stabs at your heart a little bit. Cause you're like, oh, God damn, we haven't won a championship. This but at the same time, you're kind of like, you got to give right. the devil's due. That's a pretty funny joke. Like, yeah. what are you doing? Like, I get pilf like, you know, the Argos pilfered the Stampeders. I understand that. You know, right now, if teams were to go after Winnipeg players, I get it. And don't get me wrong. The Ticats have had some good players and some good teams, some good coaches and all that stuff. But to consistently be grabbing guys from a franchise that underachieved thinking, oh, we're just going to form, you know, the 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 the, the Ticats Avengers here and it's going to be different. It's like. It's it's actually worse there than it was. At least with those guys here, this team made the playoffs, made Grey Cups. Mm-hmm. In Ottawa, they've won, I think they've gone three wins, three wins, four wins, four wins the last four years. Now, Burke wasn't in charge for all of those, but he was for the last two. And those last two seasons have been very bad. So I it just, it just made me chuckle when I saw that because I was like, yeah, that stings, but uh, that's pretty self-aware of you there, buddy. Yeah, and you got to think that his time there might be running out. I mean, if he has another oh, this season is like last he's chance. had. Yeah. So it, uh, if it doesn't work out, I'm pretty sure he's not going to be with them next season because, like, nope. what has he done? He's like, you know, he just brought in Ticat players. That, that's all he's done. It, it's crazy to me. Yeah, I mean, no, they'll absolutely – if they if they finish 5-13, and 13, fourth place, miss the playoffs, you know what I mean? They'll clean house. Bob Dice is gone. Nice guy. Decent coach. Looked in over yep. his head last year. And He'll he deserves to have another chance. Absolutely. Yep. He deserves to have another year. I'm glad I'm glad they're giving him a second season. I'm glad mm-hmm. he didn't get the Devon Claybrooks treatment because I don't think I I when he was hired, I was like, I don't know if that's the right move. Because it's like, yeah, he was great as their interim coach at the end of the season, but that's he had when, some boneheaded decisions last year, too. Like, he, he wasn't very good at all. No, he wasn't. And maybe that's rookie head coach. No, I'm yep. absolutely glad that he's getting a second season. But, I mean, it's been five years since the Red Blacks won a playoff game. You know what I mean? Like, it's been five years since they've competed for a playoff game. It's been five years since, like, the last – you and I were together in the stadium the last time the Red Blacks were good. Mm-hmm. That was a long time ago. You know what I mean? Like – that was before the world came to an end. Like it's yeah, 2018 Grey Cup. Yeah, it's been yep. uh, like that team is, and they did a lot. Like you look, your best years, and I actually said this to my my brother's a Jacksonville Jaguars fan, and I mean, he must hate him. A Jaguars fan, Ticats fan, like you might as well just hate yourself. Mm. Like the last good year yeah. those either of those teams had was 1999. Um, but I said to him when we were chatting about it uh, on Monday night, actually, when Trevor Lawrence got hurt, that's like, Jesus Christ. He's like, Jags can't have nice things. I was like, dude, the first five years of your franchise are not supposed to be your best years. 
And that's what the Red Blacks have. Like those first five years, like they came out of, and maybe they set expectations too high, but man, oh man, I know the first year was terrible, but they, they came out guns a blazing year two to year five, like three great cup appearances, win a championship, like who boy. And now they've hit that, like the doldrums. Like, yeah. like I said, I think it. I, I'm fairly certain it's, it's 14 wins or or 16 wins or or something along between 12 and 16 wins in the last four seasons like that is horrendous they've gone through what i think three head coaches in that time they're on their second gm they if they're bad again this year and there's no reason to believe at this point that they won't be i mean i keep getting suckered in to thinking oh this is going to be the year the red bucks turn around this is going to be the the last two years i thought they were going to be a playoff team i was wrong if they don't improve this year and i don't see any reason to think they won't they have to start over and that's no i i don't wish that on bob dice or or, and sean burke's a nice guy but you got to win football games and right now they're not doing that and then that fan base that was so hot for them for five years there five years where you're poop like are they gonna are they gonna start to i mean crowds have already started to dwindle yeah, I'm not, I'm, not saying gonna, I'm not saying you're going to lose the team. I'm not saying it's going to no, fold no, no. or anything like that. But it's like, man, oh man, like a fan base that was young that experienced that much success, they can they. It's not Hamilton. It's not Saskatchewan. It's not Winnipeg. They could. I mean, look at Montreal. Montreal fans were fickle. That team stunk. People stopped showing up. They're good now. I think they'll bounce back. Ottawa fans, I think, will be the same. There's more stuff to do in Ottawa. They have a hockey team. They have, you know, a, a great um, downtown core and things. Mm-hmm. The Red Blacks are no good. Like, oh, it's, it could get ugly there. And, and yeah, it could. It's been bad it could. for a while now. Yeah, it, I've, it's been actually kind of impressive how they, the attendance that they've had over the last couple of years, considering how bad they've been. Now, it's been declining, obviously, but can you blame them? I mean, nope. they've been a really bad team. So, And it's always in the back of your mind there. You know, Ottawa has um, failed. Their franchise have been revoked twice, twice before. So you don't want to see that pattern happening again. So the pressure is going to be on for Burke, for Dice, for all those guys. They have to start winning now because if they don't, you're right. The fans are going to, are going to go away. Yeah. I mean, it, it makes me think of like what we have in Hamilton. And I know that we're bitter and angry that this team hasn't won a championship, but man, oh man, at least they're not bad. Like, yeah, there's something to be said. Maybe you bottom out every now and then, like the Argos tend to do that. They're, they're good for a while, maybe a couple of years. Then they absolutely crap the bed. Then they bounce back at a kind of out of nowhere most of the time. And they, they win a title. You know what I mean? And there's something you said about that. But like sustained badness is just, especially when you're bad and boring. Like it's it's one yep. thing to me because like the more I watch this, like I said, I, I don't remember if it was, I can't remember where I said it. I was definitely talking to you. But like one of my favorite games this year was a game the Ticats lost, the 33-30 game against BC. Yeah, you want to see the team you cheer for win. But at the same time, it's like, I kind of just want to be entertained at this point. Like, the wins and losses matter in a sense, but it's not like my life is dramatically altered because a team wins or loses. I want to be entertained. That game was entertaining. The Red Blacks aren't entertaining. Like, they're a boring team to watch. So it's one thing if you're losing, but people are coming out and they're having a good time. When you're punting and kicking field goals all the time, man, people are checking out quickly. Yeah, a good example of that is the 2012 Ticats where 
I believe it was 2012, where Burris yep. was, you know, the offense was on fire. And most of those games were pretty exciting, pretty close. But we ended up, you know, with a sub 500 record, like it was 6-12 and 12 or something terrible. Yep. But at least that season was entertaining, right? So, um, yeah, the, the Red Blacks have been pretty boring the last couple of years, you know, minus a couple games last season where they had that, that stretch of a, a couple wins over some good opponents. But other than that, it's been terrible. And as frustrating as a bad season will will do you, I said this on I was on I was on CHML twice this week and I said it on one of the shows I don't remember which one, but if you look at the Tie Cats since 2009 or just let's just say the last 15 years, aside from winning a championship, they're one of the most successful teams in the CFL. Yes, I know winning a championship is what matters the most. I understand that. I'm not saying they're the most, but the only team that's made the playoffs more than Hamilton in the last 15 years is Calgary. Hamilton's been to four Grey Cups, like. They've been to like seven or eight East finals. Like this team, they might have a bad year. 2012 was a bad year. 2017 was worse in my opinion than 2012 because 2017, they weren't very good until June Jones took over and they weren't even watchable. Mm-hmm. I mean, remember 60 to one, of course you do. Yes. But you, I can live with as a fan, as frustrating as watching during the season, you're like, Oh my God, we're not going to win again. If I'm knowing that they can bounce back. Knowing that, okay, this season might not be what it is, but I have faith that this team, based on their history, their recent history, well, maybe we don't do it this year, but they're going to be in the hunt next year. And that's been the case for most of the last 15 years with the Ticats. Yes, they haven't been good enough to win a championship. I understand that. And that is the goal of everything. But at the end of the day, this team has been competing for championships the last decade and a half. And that's a lot better than being absolutely abjectly horrible like the Red Blacks are right now. Yeah, I mean, we've been 8-10 and 10 the last two seasons, right? I think we're going to jump up that that ladder, and we're going to be 9-9. Nine 9-9? And nine. Nine and nine? We'll be at the top <laughs> top of the world, baby. I mean, hey, Scott Milanovic won a great cup at 9-9 nine and nine with the Argos. So I'd be, I'd be happy with that. I would be happy with that. Yeah, I, I'll i admit 8-10, 7-11 and 10, seven and 11 and win a great cup, fine, whatever. It would feel ugly. Would, yeah, I don't like that, but, you know, I'd take it at this point, but I, I prefer – you know, to have a winning record and maybe, you know, those two last two seasons are, are, you know, are a punishment. And then next year there'll be, um, you know, a winning team, maybe not a nine and team, nine and nine team, maybe a 10 and 18. Oh, getting, getting Ooh. a little, uh, it must be crazy, the Christmas though. season. Cause you, cause you're feeling, you're feeling, you're yeah. feeling extra giving at this time right. of year, 10 and 10 yes. and eight, Mike, where, where are we going? Here? Oh, wow. That's big time success for the Ticats. <laughs> I mean, it, Sadly, it very much is. But hey, at least it's not 4-14, and 14, so we'll take yes. that. All right, so who knows if we're going to be back for another episode. I leave in about a week to uh, to go away for two weeks. But if this team, if Scott Milanovic comes out and names his coaching staff before I head on a plane out to the East Coast and we can find some time, I guess we'll sit down and record another one of these. We... This would have come out earlier, but we decided to wait until the Milanovic hiring was official before we did it. We could have done it after they announced that uh, Steinhauer was taking the taking or uh, stepping down as head coach. But we decided, hey, let's get the coach. They said they were going to name the coach this week. Didn't know it would be the next day, which was nice. But we knew they were going to name the coach this week. So we're like, hey, let's wait until everything's out. We can talk about it all at once. Perhaps there's a coaching staff thing coming. Perhaps there's some other big signings that will happen between now and when I leave. If not, this will be the last episode of the season. But I said that last time, so who knows? But if there is one, we will be back to discuss everything that happened there, what it means, kind of what we did here. We went longer than I anticipated today, but hey, 
that's what happens when we have some uh, some pretty big news to talk about. So for Podskiwiwi this year and for this week, for this year with a question mark, I've been Josh Smith. And I'm Mike Graham. Eat them raw. Eat them raw. <laughs>